Okay, morning everyone. Lovely to see you. My name's Dan and I'm the pastor here at Cornerstone. And uh, I just want to uh, give you a sense of the commitment that I have to what we're doing now. Um, a wasp landed on the C note. And I knew that I was going to play it next. And I hit that C note and the wasp flew away. That is how committed I am to what we're doing this morning. It's worth me risking my, my finger uh, at the, uh, you know, at the pain and the sting of a wasp. So anyway, it's uh, really wonderful to see everyone here today. And uh, I'm, I'm just really excited, you know, uh, I, I just said yeah, to the rest of the team or, you know, to those who are within hearing distance, I said, you know, it feels like we're on the mission field again, you know, just winging it, making it happen, setting everything up. And, and so once, uh, once again, I do want to say a big thank you to everyone. And it's a pretty sizable team that has made this morning happen. So, so let's just give them uh, a round of applause and a big thank you. So this morning, we're going to be talking about when, when discouraged, remember this. When discouraged, remember this. Um, and we are continuing through our series on the book of Exodus. So last Saturday, uh, I couldn't sleep. Um, and so I actually went into the Sunday morning uh, in a sort of a haze. Uh, maybe you saw, maybe I fell asleep while I was preaching. I don't even know. But, uh, you know, I, it, was, it was just a really singular moment. I didn't sleep at all and then led worship. And, uh, and, and since that moment, um, really all through the week, I've been feeling kind of flat, feeling rather tired. And um, if I'm honest, I've been feeling rather discouraged, not necessarily about anything, but really just because of the lack of sleep. Um, but then on Wednesday, uh, I asked my team if they, if they would pray for me and they surrounded me. Um, I don't, well, there were two of them. They, can two people surround you? They did, spiritually speaking, and they prayed for me. And since that moment, um, I saw, I've seen a bit of a turnaround, which has been uh, uh, wonderful, and I'm, and I'm really grateful for that. And, and the thing is, is that when, when, when discouragement rears its ugly head, uh, it's hard to listen to God. Have you ever experienced that? When you feel discouraged, it's hard to hear God's voice. It's hard to really listen to Him, yeah? Yeah, I've, I've experienced that. In fact, I've just experienced that over this past week. And, and really, I was only dealing with one night of sleeplessness that kind of knocked me off my rhythm. But when you're dealing with long-term sources of discouragement, whether it's a work situation that's unresolved or a or legal wrangling that maybe drains you or ongoing family heartbreak or long-term unanswered prayer or even like hearing Canada, hearing report after report of historic institutional abuse, many times done in the name of the, you know, of the quote-unquote church, then it can leave us feeling rather discouraged. And this is what happens to the Israelites. Um, so if, if you do have your Bibles or your phones, then please turn with me to Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. And this is God speaking to the most to Moses, um, telling him something that he wants to tell the Israelites. So listen to this. Therefore, 
say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from bringing slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your, your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And this is quite the speech, right? It's lots of uh, statements and uh, wonderful promise after wonderful promise, right? Um, Standing on the promises of God, right? I'm sure after hearing that, that's the kind of hymn that you want to sing. But then verse 9 says this, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Friends, there are times where when the circumstances around us feel so heavy that we cannot listen to God. When we're stuck in the realities of our own personal Egypt, an exodus can feel like a pipe dream, let alone going into the promised land. And so this morning through Exodus 5 through to uh, Exodus 7, I want to encourage us to listen to God even if we're feeling stuck, even if we don't feel anything, even if we're finding it hard to really believe. I want to bring us uh, two truths which, which, which I believe are from God for us from Exodus 5, 6, and 7. Um, ones that God, I think, wants to speak into our lives this morning, especially if we're so discouraged that we're struggling to hear Him. And these truths are these. When you are discouraged, listen to God tell you who you are, right? Like we just said in that song, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. So when you're discouraged, let God tell you who you are. And when you're discouraged, let God tell you who he is and when you listen you hear God and when you hear God what happens is that your discouragement gradually gets replaced by a calling by a calling so first when you're discouraged listen to God tell you who you are now in chapter 6 of Exodus Moses says virtually the same thing twice first of all in chapter 6 Verse number 12, he says this, But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? And then chapter 6, verse 30, says virtually the same thing again. But Moses said to the Lord, Since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? So it's, it's the same words said twice. Um, and, and what we see when something is said twice, you can look at these as kind of markers in the chapter. And what it asks us to do is to look at the verses in between the markers. He says the same thing twice, and, and so it, we're being asked to look at what are, the, what, what are the verses saying in between. And so as we look at verses 13 through to 29 of Exodus 6, what is it that we see? What super encouraging thing um, are we reading in those verses? Well, what we see is a list. We see a genealogy. We see a list of the heads of the families of the people who were to come out of Egypt. We see a genealogy. We see a list of names. Moses speaks into, uh, sorry, God speaks into Moses' discouragement through a list of names, which is weird, right? unless those names signify something, which of course they do. 
eaten. You see, Moses was dealing with an internally sourced identity issue. It was his sp speech problem. That was his, his struggle. He was being lied to from the inside. Since I stutter, I'm of no use. And guess what? Like I've told you before, I can relate to that. And this really discouraged him. This really brought him down. And as long as Moses couldn't get past this internal enslavement, he was of no use in helping the Israelites with their external enslavement. And so God takes him time traveling through the genealogy. And, and, and what we see in the genealogy, in this list of names, uh, is that the first part of the genealogy connects Moses and Aaron back to Jacob through Levi, representing the past. And the second part of the genealogy uh, traces forward from Moses and Aaron to Aaron's grandsons, representing the future. And so when, when Moses speaks out of his discouragement and God hears him and he says, I'm no use to you because of my stutter, God, through his heavenlyancestry.com, says, no, your stutter is not who you are. You are the son of Amram, who is the son of Kohath, who is the son of Levi, who is the son of Jacob. That's who you are. And not only that, Moses, but looking ahead, you are the uncle of Nadab, and Abihu, and Eliezer, and Ithamar, and you're the great uncle of Mr. Phineas, Phineas. And so in, in, his, in his feeling down, in his internal discouragement, Moses' grasp on reality had shrunk to a space literally the size of his lips, and his vocal cords, and his lungs, and the diaphragm. That was his entire world. His single biggest source of shame. He cannot see his, or uh, he can't help his people's external slavery because, his, because of his own internal slavery. Or as we read in the book of Matthew chapter 7, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eyes. Now, maybe I don't know what your thing is, but it's most likely a personal flaw or a character flaw or a sin or a, or, or a mistake or a, or, um, or a memory or a broken relationship that you feel somehow maybe defines you in your own eyes and in the eyes of others, that when they see you, they see that thing, that you are that thing. But friends, just like Moses, when you were discouraged because of a feeling of internal enslavement, God invites you to take a bit of a step back, to look at the wider view, to realize that God has been doing this God thing, you know, for generations, for a long time, and that he's been working even through your family tree to bring you to this point, like I said last week, meaning that God has been faithful in the past. And not only that, because there are also future generations. There are perhaps children or grandchildren or, or great uncle or, or sorry, great nephews or nieces or mentees or neighbor's children who are looking to you now. You know, do you think that when Phineas grew up that he told his children of stuttering great uncle Moses? You remember great uncle Moses who stuttered all the time do you think that's how he reflected him or do you think he told him 
that he that he told his kids about, you know, the parting of the Red Sea and the manna in the wilderness and the rock in the wilderness and how proud he was that his great uncle was Moses. Why? Because Moses allowed God to deal with his internal slavery so that he could lead others out of their external slavery. Satan wants you to obsess over your flaws, over your character flaws and your personal flaws. Because then, if, if, if you're obsessing over these things, then you become a self-fulfilling prophecy because your, because your fear of being that one thing actually makes you into that one thing. Because you are whatever you are most fixated on. And so I've been tempted over and over again to view myself as Dan the Stutterer. But God has other plans. And so God takes Moses out of this, 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 uh, this cycle of self-pity by telling Moses who he is. And he does the same thing to us. So let me ask you this morning, are you that one thing? Are you that weakness or that sin or that failure or that identity that threatens to... Um, limit you and to, and to tell you who you are or will you allow God through Christ to tell you who you are that you are made alive in Jesus that you are raised up and seated with Christ that you are an object of God's great love that you are free from the law of sin and of death that you are more than a conqueror through Christ that you are holy in his sight and without blame that you are indwelt by the Spirit of God, which gives you wisdom and who makes you holy. That you are the workmanship of God himself, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. When, when God asked Pharaoh to let the Israelites go into the wilderness to worship God, Pharaoh said this, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let let Israel go. And we live in a world which says, who is the Lord? I do not know the Lord. But then Pharaoh takes it one step further. Rather than just saying no, he actually punishes them for asking in the first place. And so in short, what he does is he stops the supply of straw that they need for the making of bricks whilst keeping the... Um, yeah, the quota exactly the same. So not only did they have to make bricks, but they had to source the straw from all over the country. It's like, you know, trying to build a house. But not only do you have to build a house, but you have to source the lumber from the Marlborough Forest yourself. You have to cut it down. You have to mill it. You have to whatever you else do to wood to make it ready for a house. And all that, and the deadline never ends. As you can tell, I'm speaking from a, a well of experience. <laughs> but I did say the word mill, because I know that you mill wood. So, because Sean does that. So. And, and so, when the slaves aren't able to make the quota, Pharaoh then says this to them in verse 17. He says, lazy. That's what you are. Lazy. So, not only are they slaves, but they're lazy. Lazy slaves, that's quite the title to slap on someone. I hope that none of you parents ever say to your kids, you're a lazy slave, right? Because that word kind of maybe echoes around the mind. And, uh, but, but my point is that when we hear these constantly, constantly discouraging external voices trying to put on a label on us, we can actually start to think 
that maybe there's something to it, that maybe they're true. And the voice of God, the voice of truth, the voice of reason gets drowned out. And it's at that moment that we need to redouble our efforts to hear God tell us who we are in Christ. Secondly, not only do we have to let God tell us who we are, but we need to let God tell us who he is. All right? Pharaoh, he says, he has no idea who God is. He admits that. And so it's no mistake in the midst of Moses' discouragement that God tells Moses four times in the span of six verses, he says, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. Over and over again, I am the Lord. In in 6 verse 7 he says, I will take you as my own people. Okay, just listen to God saying this to people who are enslaved. Just, Just hear God's heart. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. There it is again who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. You know, you can hear the heart of God in that, right? He's really tender. You know, that, that, that these people who Moses and uh, Pharaoh in chapter 5 over and over again just says, you are the slaves, you are the people, you are the slaves, you are the people. You have no identity other than being slaves and servants and people. God then says, you are mine and I will rescue you. It's amazing. And here's here's the wonderful thing, is that each time God says, I am the Lord, we just hear, I am the Lord, but God's actually saying something specific. He's saying, I am who I am. Each time he says, I am the Lord, he's saying, I am who I am. And I am, in Hebrew, is God's personal name. It's his, like, super holy, super revered name. It's his personal name. And God's saying, this is who I am. I am Yahweh. I am who I am. And so in, in the midst of that external slavery of the, uh, uh, of the Israelites and the internal slavery of Moses, God tells them his personal name. He's saying to them, you can truly know me. And then in verse 2 of chapter 6, God says to Moses, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, or Al Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. And so God's saying to Moses that the fullness of God's personal name, I am, or Yahweh, will be shown to Moses and the Israelites in a way that even the fathers and the patriarchs and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never knew. Through God's rescue, through you know the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and the miracles in the wilderness, the, the slaves will know God in a way that the patriarchs did not know him. They will see I am in a new and a full way. And friends, however amazing this is for Moses and the Israelites in their discouragement, it's even more incredible for us. You see, Jesus also said, I am. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door of the sheep. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the vine. I'm going to read that list one more one more time, and I want you to listen to it and say, which one of those do I need to hear right now? Ready? Here we go. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. 
I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the vine. I am Yahweh, God's personal name. And so we say the name Jesus and we love the name Jesus and we worship the name Jesus and we lift high the name Jesus because he is I am. And friends, when we allow God through Jesus to meet us in our discouragement of internal and external slavery, when we allow God to tell us who we are and when we allow God to tell us who he is, an incredible thing happens. God frees us and he empowers us and he equips us to be his representatives. And the discouragement starts to slide away and a new purpose takes its place. Exodus 7 verse 1 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. So don't miss the irony here that Moses the stutterer becomes Moses, God's mouthpiece. And God invites us into the same transformation of roles and we and friends we live in a world that's enslaved a world that has that no longer listens to God because of discouragement and harsh labor and like Moses we have a choice either to let the the discouragement of the world infect us and poison us or we can allow God to remind us who we are and who he is the great I am the God who leads us into freedom. And as God frees us from our internal enslavement, we are liberated to speak the freedom of the gospel into the lives of others.